you are now tuning in to Let's Be Honest with host Just Jonda. Hello and welcome to Let's Be Honest with Just Jonda. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and tonight we are going to have some fun. I promised that we were going to do this, and we are. It is finally here the big Real Housewives of Salt Lake City after show. Uh, I just watched it with some friends on the Fashion and Drama Diaries, which is my page on Facebook. And we tried one of those Facebook video chat rooms, so it was a lot of fun. And of course, we talked our way through it. And we got to check out these women from Salt Lake City. Now, Andy Cohen promised that this was going to be a lot of big everything, and he was right. Um, Salt Lake City, certainly when it comes to the community with money, reminds me quite a bit of Texas. Everything is extra big and kind of extra tacky, especially when it comes to these women, even the ones who think they're not tacky because they come from old Mormon money and went to Brigham Young as opposed to uh, some of your more nouveau riche folks, which we will get into who is considered to fall on what side of the fence on that uh, as I talk through the women. And of course, they made everybody wait for the introduction of Mary Crosby, who has gotten most of the pre the pre-show headlines leading up to this for months because of the weird tale and the ever-changing excuse, shall we say, for marrying her step-grandfather. And they have a kid. So, of course, that I don't even think she made her first appearance in this episode until the last, I would say, almost 40 to 45 minutes in. But it was clear that there are several people jockeying for position, which I don't have an issue with. It's first season. Number one, they got to find their footing. But two, they know that uh, there's a lot of real housewives fatigue. No matter what franchise you watch, the ratings for none of these are have are ever what they used to be. Uh, as I discussed before, even the real housewives of Atlanta, which still remains the crown jewel as far as ratings, in the um, Housewives universe, it's sort of a crown jewel among, you know, that's it's that's still not grade A among a bunch of lesser jewels because their ratings are even, I think, barely, um, I, I think they're not even half of what they used to be. And again, these shows are all long in the tooth. So the new shows that are going to come on, the new women have an opportunity to see what seems to sell and what seems to keep people watching. So they all came in ready, guns blazing, all of the baubles and beads on display, big houses, big boobs, big cars or fancy cars, 
all of the designer clothes, everything. And Mary Crosby is no exception because she seems to be the sort of her and the woman Jen seem to be the epitome of all of that. And those two are probably at least among the women of color, that's going to be the biggest clash uh, apparently with the biggest personalities. Mary being known for allegedly being the one who I'm just going to say what's on my mind. And Jen being just big everything in, um, in terms of how she does things. So let's get started. The show actually starts with Jen, who is married to, and I loved her <laughs> It's not her catchphrase, but it was still funny when she said, Asalaamu Alaikum, bitches. Uh, Jen is married to Sharif, who is a coach at uh, one of the big universities, University of Utah, one of them. But anyway, big money, big house. In fact, she lives basically in a chalet. They have three huge sons, one who's in medical school or pre-med, and um the bigger, the better. Now, the original pictures of her, she's half Chinese, half Hawaiian. She's quite beautiful, but uh, according to Heather, who we'll get to in a moment, uh, getting your face done, getting plastic surgery, Botox, fillers, all of that seems to be a big time Mormon or at the very least people in Salt Lake City with money, most of whom are Mormons, pastime. Uh, Jen talked about the fact that Sharif did bring up the issue to her of Mormonism, or someone did of converting to that, but in doing her research, and good on her, she discovered that, uh, screw that, these people didn't even want to deal with Black people until the 1960s, so why would I be a part of that, especially given that she is a person of color and has married a black man and her sons are looked at as black. And she said, as far as Utah's concerned, she's black as well. So it, she is just something else. Everything is sparkly, shiny, big lips, big makeup. You know, the face barely moves uh she's almost bordering on bordering on a hawaiian renee graziano not quite as hard but i'm just talking about all the surgery and renee graziano i'm talking about from mob wives uh we see her doing things like getting botox in her armpits you know the armpit injections so that she won't sweat she's also she also travels with one of her male assistant who is a middle-aged balding white man named Stuart. Again, it appears that unfortunately she has had a lot of work done, but Stuart goes along with her and everything. She says her assistant knows even more than Sharif knows right down to getting her tampons. She loves to throw lavish parties and just spends lots of money. I mean, she even wears expensive heels in the snow. That is just what she does. And we'll get to the party stuff later because it's pretty funny what she does. Now, she appears the person who she's close to, she's besties with, is Heather. Heather uh, married, I mean, again, everything's big. Uh, Heather reminds me of, in terms of just her look and her size, just that, um, like, the big, busty, broad kind of thing. Gosh, what was this woman on The Real Housewives of the OC? She's one of the OGs. I want to say her son may be the one that ended up being the professional baseball player, maybe? Yeah, but she was there in uh, that first season with uh, Vicky. 
uh, at any rate, she married into Mormonism. And I mean, like big, big, big Mormonism money, like her husband's family, uh, or maybe it was her family, but whatever. Um, they like rolled with Howard Hughes when he would come to town. And so she's divorced and looking for love. And she owns a beauty spa, but the kind that makes big money because they do minor cosmetic procedures like Botox and that kind of stuff. So, and she has uh, three daughters that look like they're like middle school, teenage, that kind of thing. So she is something else. She is pretty funny. She, you can tell between her and Jen why they get along because they have kind of a bull in a china shop quality just in terms of what they do but seem like they would be a riot to hang with especially uh, especially Heather um, I said that Jen is one that you'd probably she's one of those friends you'd probably have to take in doses like after you spend the weekend with her you can't talk to her for about a week or two you have to recover and not recover from what you did just recover from a whole lot of her Meredith 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 uh, moved to Utah about seven years ago. She's Jewish. They've lived there for about, and, and I'm telling you that because she said so. And, and they've lived there full time for five years. And her husband lives in Utah with her, but spends most of his time in Chicago, which is where they came from because of their business. She is she wears things super tight to boost up those big boobs, although she's allegedly the classy one. Okay, and that is why she dressed like that big red thing on Bugs Bunny where Bugs did the hair and it's got the big long arms. I'll, I'll get to the outfit later. Her husband says you can never have enough money or enough sex, but points out so that the whole world knows while he's living someplace else, that sex is one of the things he's not getting enough of. So go right ahead and have your husband announce to the world that getting the, the money seems to be going reasonably well, but you are still uh, working on the sex thing as it relates to your wife. And they did something really weird. It was Meredith's birthday, which he wasn't there for. That was the whole thing, especially since her friend was throwing her a party. But even creepier is he had the son let in, I guess, decorators, or maybe he had the son do it, do this huge, elaborate, like, rose petals, like, and I mean, like, deep, like a carpet, through the house and on tables or whatever, the kind of thing that you do when, or for Valentine's Day, or when you're going to propose, or something, only for him to talk to her on the phone, and it still was, I mean, he might as well have high-fived her, so, that was kind of odd and basically when they showed the bounce ahead through the season it looks like they may be having some struggles with the fact that they're long distance as with anything I'm sure played up for drama on the show especially since it appeared that he was with her on the zoom with Andy Cohen for the after show so we know how these things go you need a storyline and you walking around trying to act like you are the Lisa Vanderpump of Salt of the Salt Lake City crew isn't really going to fly with most of us. And um, she, uh, like I said, fancies herself as, you know, I am the mature one with the class and whatever. 
Okay, girl, we've seen your dress. It, you're not, you're tacky. Next, we have Lisa, whose mother was converted to Mormonism by missionaries. And they went all in because apparently she met her husband, big, big, big money. She met him through her sister who was doing um, an LDS, was an LDS missionary. And um, of course they were introduced. They own a tequila company. They have two kids. And of course had to tell us how they're not traditional parents. She doesn't cook. Um, they don't eat together. They're just freewheeling. Um, I forget the name of it, but it seems like they're kind of allegedly doing that parenting where the kids sort of do or say what they want, but yet she's still Mormon. Again, whole thing, but uber snobby when it comes to the other women. In fact, one of the things that they talked about is that she's the Sundance queen. And Jen even said, if you want to get into major parties, you have to go through Lisa. And of course, Lisa just so happens to be one of those, I don't know her kind of heifers, kind of like Mariah Carey when they asked her about JLo and she was like, I don't know her, but I wish her well. So Lisa seems to be one of those. In fact, she tried to play it off like she didn't know Heather. But if you don't know somebody, how do you just happen to have stories allegedly about that person being, as she said, loose with the honor code and pretending she was lifting her dress up for the alleged reputation that Heather had at Brigham, One, Brigham Young? Either you know her or you don't. And that's kind of rude because all of you are much older than your Brigham Young years. And while people may think they look good, I mean, I, I suppose they do for women in their mid to late 40s. I guess I'm just used to a little black girl magic in terms of what I think looking good in your mid to late 40s looks like as opposed to these women, because I think what a lot, what they tend to forget is when you get so much of that surgery so soon, or you do so much with the enhancements and the fillers and all of those things, there is a certain point where it kind of makes a sharp left turn where it looks, it makes you look older as opposed to younger, which is what you're trying to achieve it's, it's a very odd thing but they all do it and you know whatever next we have Whitney she seems to be the only like really blonde 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 in the crew right because you've got a couple of dirty blondes you've got some great really dark hair um which I love seeing lots of all all the gorgeous brunette hair but she is your resident blonde with the kind of high voice sort of the Porsche of the crew. She seems to, uh, she, I'm not sure if she is the youngest, but she at least appears to be the youngest in the crew. And she and her husband, Justin, their claim to fame as it relates to the group is that they were excommunicated from Mormonism because they got together and decided they were the love of each other's lives and they're gonna get married and whatever. But the one problem, they were both married to other people. So their storyline on the show kind of starts with what appears to either be 
their actual wedding or maybe some kind of vow renewal but it you know it was just kind of the intro to their story overall and that apparently 10 years has gone by since this getting together and excommunication and some of the family members are just starting to come around some family members and friends because you know when you're shunned in certain communities especially religious ones it's not just a couple of people when you're shunned it's everybody and anybody who doesn't follow along with that risk being shunned as well so she's you know she voiced that she was happy about that but i like that she had a real moment like uh who, like many of us who said okay yes they did uh they are starting to come around but i still there's a part of me that still has some some pent up stuff with the fact that it took 10 effing years and i get that i mean you'd have to have to be crazy not to get that and of course she ended by saying saying we're still standing bitches and you know what uh i'm not mad at that if if they're happy god bless them finally they introduce us to mary who um as as it's reported in cosmo has a penchant for god couture and only the finest champagne and is described by bravo as a pentecostal first lady who inherited her family's empire of churches restaurants and more also important she married her late grandmother's second husband to get that now from what we see immediately upon introduction of mary is that mary is a label whore kind of like a marlo um a marlo hampton from real housewives where not only is she a label whore she has to let you know every single one what she's wearing is is it runway or is it not and all at the same time and not necessarily looking so hot i mean that green valentino dress uh that or alleged valentino dress that she wore to meredith's birthday party while still having on black under things which if that was supposed to show it still wasn't a good look like a you could see black bra straps or maybe a camisole or something and then all of this gaudy jewelry jewelry and then had a purse that wasn't even a clutch it was something over her shoulder and based on the stripes was probably gucci i like it it was absolutely ridiculous and um so god knows how many labels she had on at once on that particular night uh cute shoes though i'm not was it the party shoes or whatever no those those were cute shoes the hair is a mess um the roots run a little long weave is a little messy i am really interested in how if you look at pictures of her she went from being damn near a dead ringer for a cross between candy burris and Aaliyah 20 years ago when she first got with grandpa to now looking like maybe a sort of mix uh, sort of a low budget and i'm not even a fan but you know she is a beautiful woman a low budget giselle bryant with the complexion washed out almost especially in photographs to the point of michael jackson like it is 
absolutely disturbing and there is no amount of lighting in the world that does that especially with and even with makeup it would have to be all over you see it on her hands or whatever so it's like girl what did you do and super thin the nose thinned out all of that and again to the point where in her mid 40s when her black girl magic should be kicking in to, to be making heifers be afraid of how fly she looks it actually makes her look older i mean when she was sitting on the couch i was struck by the fact that all at once i was getting a cross between Shug Avery and late and Leslie Uggams. I was like, what the hell am I looking at? You know, I, I, I was like, is, is this Miss Kizzy? Is it, uh, is it Shug Avery? Like in, at any minute when she got into a conflict with Jen and it was over something really dumb, I was, I was waiting for her to look at her like Shug Avery looked at Celia and said, you sure is ugly. <laughs> yeah very weird and confusing um speaking of the conflict between her and jen if i'm understanding the situation correctly she wasn't even supposed to be at this party because it, it was a little bit confusing but in her in, in her introductory scene where they showed like kind of who she hangs with kind of because it seems like she's probably not tolerable to the rest of them she was with whitney and um she Whitney kind of said something to the effect at least to the cameras that Mary may not have actually been invited to the party but then she told her she was invited to the party it was it was very strange um it appears that some of them obviously know each other better than others I think Mary and Lisa uh, Meredith and Lisa um are definitely the, the crew in terms in their minds in terms of we are so much better than them and uh you know just walking around nose in the air the whole i don't know her um but meredith for somebody who has so much money and you think you're all that and whatever then why would you let jen who you know is over the top and kind of tacky but fun but not but ta certainly tacky to you in terms of what you would consider to be appropriate you let her throw your birthday party. Now, in fairness, since your husband wasn't in town to do it, I guess you go with it. And again, this is Housewives, so you gotta have a big party. First episode, season one, episode one, you gotta bring it. So what's the best way to do it? Let's really show folks that unlike those other shows, we've got real money this isn't atlanta where by the end of the first season you find out that everybody's either living in rentals or losing the houses that they marginally own until candy came on and who actually has money no this these folks actually have money this is especially the ones with um you know the mormons i mean because they there's a ton of them with huge money big uh, internet community, especially if you go on Instagram, there's groups of these women with goo gobs of money and all in the fashion and makeup and all of that. And they have millions of followers. They're not doing ads or any of that stuff because they don't need to. They don't need to promote. They've got long generations, long money. In fact, I think it was um, 
who was it lisa was it lisa either lisa or meredith one of them who's like father-in-law or grandfather or some craziness maybe not lisa because i think lisa is the one whose mother converted so maybe it was meredith yeah but one of them's father-in-law um or i'm sorry great-grandfather was like the bodyguard for john smith and, and brigham young i mean this is like generations long money now mary's stuff and i i talked about this in the f and dd and i think i mentioned this before theirs is a little bit different it's sort of generational wealth not as big as the mormon money but a good amount and i mean if you can keep a church going that's a nice check anyway if people aren't going to do anything else they're going to go to church and, and they have a pentecostal church where people are even more like uber devout and now i'm talking about mary crosby and her husband so as the story goes mary crosby's grandmother mama well i forget what they called her but anyway her grandmother's um you know her grandmother uh was a african-american woman from uh i believe texas and so as the story goes she ultimately ends up in utah she leaves there i think she had several kids prior to that um it's not really clear if whether those kids came with her she sent for him later because when you read the story it almost makes it the bio makes it sound like she traveled by herself but once she got to utah she began a ministry out of her house perfect place to do it you're in utah and yes there are people who are mormons but even it, it is just a, an area steeped in religion no matter what and of course with the strict teachings of mormonism and the way that some of them had to live because remember there are the multiple sects you've got the flds you know that warren jeff stuff there there's always a lot of stuff going on there because then you had the big change which not all of them agree with about um not the not um uh the polygamy you know that they aren't supposed to have multiple wives anymore and of course you have communities that allow that you've got communities of course like warren the flds warren jeffs that actually abuse it because then you know you get into the young girls and the you know 14 year olds marrying their uncles and all that so there's a lot of stuff but ultimately i bring all that up not to in any way demonize the mormon church but because I, it, with any religion there's you take the good and the bad i bring that up to say that with that with people branching out they may be looking for a different way to worship and so in this place would weave right for it because it's so steeped in religion anyway and missionaries like practically going door to door to convert people which um mormons are known to do we know the 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 church of the latter-day saints i mean that's what they do so at any rate um it grew into a full-blown ministry to the point where there was enough money to by other properties and restaurants and things so you know had a nice uh sort of family empire and and certainly making good money if she's running around in designer this and that so the grandmother's second husband is uh this guy mr crosby obviously bishop and so 
they get married. Now, at this point, the grandmother is like, I think, maybe late 50s, early 60s, because he and her were married for a decent amount of time. And uh, he was like in his late 30s, because by the time she died, he was mid 40s. And she was uh, late 60s, early 70s. So she wasn't like super duper old. In fact, there's still some weirdness uh, surrounding the death stuff as far as some of her family members are concerned because she was away from everybody in Florida and they claim that there were some issues about who was able to see her and who wasn't. And then the next thing you know, it's like, okay, mama's dead. So you had that apparently now this is where things get real hinky because of course now that they're on television there's some there's you've got some revisionist history some actual history and some truth in between so i'll tell you what happened just in brass tacks without saying who did what and then i'll tell you what they're claiming ultimately grandma dies uh second husband is a young-ish widow, uh, widower, I'm sorry, and he is still the bishop of the church because they were running the church together. He's a bishop of the church, inherited all of that, and there seems to be some question about what was in the will as it relates to the kids, which is needless to say why there was some messiness where it doesn't appear that he, they got much of anything. And if he had the church and most of their un other entities, if they were smart, were kind of tied under that umbrella, because that certainly would be great for tax purposes and everything else, then yeah, if he gets that, then it pretty much gives him a strong hand as it relates to everything else. The next thing you know, in short order, maybe a year or less, he and Mary marry. Mary is one of the grandchildren of his wife. And she was in her mid-20s, like based on my calculations when I looked at the history of all this, she was maybe about 24, 25. So, I mean, she was fairly young. I mean, at any point in your 20s, you're still young. And well, yeah, because they've been married for about 20 years, have a 13-year-old son. And I think on the show, she said something about being like 45 to 46. So yeah. Um, so she was quite young. Now, the stuff that Mary would say, if you ask her and what she claimed on the show, and by the way, this dude's teeth made me want to scream. Um, according to what she tries to say is it was an arranged marriage based on the grandmother's will in, in essentially that she marry him. Now, it's those of us who know like half of anything, you can't require somebody to do certain things in a will that would be against law and public policy, not to mention anything that extends a life in existence and 40 years, but that's a whole separate thing. But the point is, there are arguments all out the wazoo about why this would 
be an issue um, that would be against uh, public policy and why this would be considered an unconscionable condition because essentially you have a will that would require someone to give up their freedom. You would be requiring someone to someone's liberty to be in question if you're saying this person now has to take on the legal status of being married to another person. And certainly there are arguments to be made about the fact that this is almost akin to a will forcing someone into servitude. So I find that very hard to believe. And even if there is the remote chance that that is what some nut actually wrote in a will, um, if the person did not want to do it, there's no way that it wouldn't be thrown out. In fact, if they weren't careful, they might even run the risk of the whole damn will being invalidated because of having a condition that is so unconscionable. So I call foul on the play on that. Also, he didn't, sitting right next to her, he didn't even co-sign what she said. He more or less, instead of him saying, yeah, but, you know, it worked out. Because that's what she said. She didn't try to play him to the left. She said it was arranged, but we, but it was blessed. And, you know, essentially saying whatever happened, we still, you know, we're still good. Like, um, you know, I'm not tripping about the fact that I had this quote unquote arranged marriage. No. So there was either he could have said nothing or he could have co-signed it and been like, yeah. No, he said something that was, you know... As far as I'm concerned, it was different, not like, you know, fundamentally different, but it was still different because he says, well, mama wanted me to marry one of her girls when she was gone because she knew they would take good care of me, which was very creepy, especially with his brown twisted bottom teeth that looked like they had Indian corn in them. I mean, it was, it was just gross. Um, and, and I was just like, I mean, you look at those two together and all you could do is go. <laughs> so, and it's not just because it's a step grandpa, like they just look weird. Like he looks completely unkempt. And again, I just can't reinforce enough the mouth. So we're going to jump ahead to the party because that's where ultimately this all came together. And of course, Jen is housewives over the top combined with the show I used to love back in the day where it was like these rich people giving these over the top parties for their kids. Not, it wasn't my super sweet 16. It was either on Bravo or maybe TLC. I actually think it was on TLC and they would show these people giving these insane parties. And she's walking around with like, one of those microphones that come with a karaoke set and is all pink and blinged out. And honestly, I could have done without all of the white draping of the house because they like draped all the walls and whatever. To me, whoever did the draping didn't even do it well because it just looked like a bunch of sheets. They weren't gathered or 
put into bows or made curtain-like. So not only was the draping unnecessary, it wasn't even good draping because the house is amazing. I mean, they call it a chalet. It looks like a chalet from the inside and out. Even the drape tent that they did from the outside with the red carpet looked cheesy and cheap. And I hate to say that because it feeds into the way that Lisa and Meredith, who were pretty much being assholes throughout the whole thing, um, it plays into kind of the way they were looking down on it. Um, it's so I don't want to say cheesy and cheap to in a manner of putting her down because I, I'm not viewing it from their lens. It is just, it was just poorly done. If you're going to do something like that, you have to do it right, especially because it was all done in white. So it literally just ended up looking like a series of like somebody had a million white sheets that they needed to dry and literally hung them on clotheslines outside of the house to create, you know, and it ended up being like, you know, how you watch a movie and two people are standing in, but there's always a scene where two women are talking and they're standing in between the sheets because they were putting up laundry to dry. That's what it looked like when they were walking into the red carpet. The flower wall was kind of, eh. So I just think the the decor team left a lot to be desired and it's such a fabulous house that they did things that were unnecessary that actually brought the decor, excuse me, brought the decor down as opposed to building it up. Now, um, she hilarious. Okay, so Meredith arrives. Lisa, as much as I hate to admit it, actually looks sharp. That black and white fur jacket with kind of the fur sticking up at the collar. I can't blame her. It could have been a hundred degrees in that room and I still would not have taken that jacket off because although the dress code for this party was not clear at all because it was all over the place, since it was all over the place, I didn't terribly mind her just going sort of sleek and black with the black. I'm not sure if they were leather pants they had a bit of a sheen to them. I, I, I got to look back again. Black pants, black boots, even like a black mock, uh, mock turtle, and then the jacket, because the jacket was the entire outfit. I mean, who it, she, she styled it just right. When you have a statement piece, let that statement make the statement it's supposed to make and everything else just be the background for it. So that was done to perfection. I have no beef with that. Um, Heather, I'm sure she probably paid a pretty penny for that dress, but it just looked cheap, uh, not age appropriate, what have you. I've already mentioned sort of the lime green frilly. She says it was Valentino off the runway, and it may have been Valentino off the runway, I suspect probably a couple of seasons ago, and just not styled well, waste of time, hair a mess, whole thing. So that was Mary. Um, Whitney, I can't, uh, oh, she just wore a, a cute little LBD, little black dress, very, very short, but she's got great legs, nice body. It had some bell sleeves, cute. Again, not clear whatsoever what the dress code was for this party, given the all over the place nature of it. But I would say, 
um, Whitney and Lisa were the best. Um, well, they were the best dressed generally. Um, and also, uh, they would have fit in no matter what. I mean, barring it being black tie and evening gowns, they would have been fine in what they were wearing because if nothing else, we, even if somebody could argue that they were quote underdressed unquote, what they looked was expensive. And in a, in a, at an event like this, if you can't do anything else, you look expensive. Even that little black dress looked expensive. There is, there was no question in my mind that that dress was upwards of a thousand dollars at least depending on the designer and that's what you do and simple especially if it's black works and if you're blonde and cute and have long gorgeous legs you're gonna get away with anything and that's what she did so and the, and it was a you know it was definitely something that could be dressed up or dressed down again unless it was black tie uh, what else? Okay, so it was too funny. Jen is up in the room. I think Heather came up and another friend and they're up in the room and she's got her whole team and she is dressing the entire time. Meanwhile, Meredith, who's the birthday girl, she comes in, she is wearing the pink monstrosity I mentioned earlier that looks like the red monster on Bugs Bunny with these voluminous feather sleeves that were literally, and I mean, no exaggeration, especially since she's a slender woman, looked like if you add maybe a few more inches, they would have been absolutely the size and volume that they needed to be to be those spinny things at a car wash, except their feathers and, you know, whatever. I am sure that she probably paid someone a lot of money to, for that to either make it or have it in. She's the one who has a clothing store that she says all the celebrities come to when they come when they come there, because, you know, they go to Sundance and the whole thing, and she has a jewelry line and all of that. So I am sure whether it was custom or she got it somewhere, she paid a shitload of money for it. And all I can say is they saw her coming because that was a mess. And um, so anyway, she's in the hot pink monstrosity. And ultimately, Jen does come down with much fanfare. And she makes no bones about it, about the fact that, okay, it's your birthday, but this is my party. And it's really about me and even kind of my birthday in my mind. And not only does she make the grand entrance in this sparkly pink one-shouldered uh, short dress that, um... I think it would probably be better for homecoming than on a 46-year-old woman, if, if I were being honest, or maybe on a young starlet on the red carpet of uh, the VMAs. So I, I, I can't even really, I don't know if, I, if, I, if I'd say that I would hail or fail it. It just was so beyond the level of not appropriate for her. Um, and this isn't one of those, no, you can get away with it if you can wear it. No, it, it just looked stupid. 
um, on a 46 year old woman. And by the way, doing all of this, and apparently her husband wasn't there and may, may or may not have even known about any of this. Then she had a traditional, I wrote it down, um, a, a traditional dancers. They were obviously of like Hawaiian or Samoa descent, uh, Tongan dancers. And Meredith even said, and pretty much everybody, how is this supposed to be about me? And I loved her response in the confessional where she says, uh, of course these dancers aren't about her. It's about me. And you know what? At least she owns it. And ultimately we end with um, a bit of manufactured drama, but again, I get it. They're trying to bring it. They're trying to secure their spot. Although Bravo did them a tremendous disservice putting them on on 10 o'clock on Wednesday, which is a tough time slot under any circumstance, especially for a show like this. But behind uh, the Real Housewives of Orange County, because usually they give the new show a lead in, but that lead in is terrible because the Real Housewives of Orange County is beyond terrible. Uh, this season. I mean, they're only two or three episodes in and it is practically unwatchable. So it is the worst possible lead in that they could have given them. They would have been better off having them, giving them a lead in of maybe below deck or um, actually maybe even, even if it's just for a couple of episodes, just to wet people's whistle putting them on uh, uh, right before or right after The Real Housewives of Potomac, which of course is, has definitely garnered a lot of interest this season because on Sundays, from what I can tell, they're not really, there's no additional content beyond uh, Potomac. They do, um, they do the episode from the week before at seven. Then they do the new episode at eight. Sometimes they'll even repeat it immediately at nine and then they go into watch what happens. But literally nothing additional other than that. I mean, the show is, is certainly holding its own and, you know, kind of hit its stride. I think there wasn't season five, but it's not that great that they have to devote the entire night to it when this show is really what Housewives is supposed to be about. Uh, personalities aside, I mean, we've got some time to really settle into how we feel about the women. But the whole premise behind the Housewives shows before it became about the fights and the drama and whatever, it was supposed to be about watching these women live these glamorous one upper 1% lives. And then obviously, you know, it became something else in terms of, um, you know, not watching them just go shop and go to lunch and whatever. And, and then you got some drama and then once Atlanta hit and, you know, you had the drama and that kind of dynamic that went on there with the shade and all of that, the other housewives shows, they realized that that was a formula that could be adapted um, 
to the other shows. I mean, you know, cultural differences notwithstanding. And then they all began to be produced that way. And so by the time you've got shows like Jersey with, you know, making sure you have folks crazy enough to throw tables and, you know, Potomac with uh, someone ready to grab a knife and all this, you know, um, it's it's taken on something else. And part of the reason why I, I would argue with anyone it has taken on that something else is because most people who have the real money but aren't trying to but are not sort of in either an entertainment arena or um have something to promote a la lisa vanderpump uh adrian maloof in in her uh, initial run with the show or in some way even if there is money in some way again connected to the industry like anybody in any of the California shows, because even though the OC isn't um, Beverly Hills in terms of their acute connections to the industry, like Camille Grammer being married to Kelsey Grammer and, and all of that, you know, the OC is still California and there's, you know, just that whole thing. And ultimately, as we saw, they most of them weren't rich. We've actually watched most of the women on the OC um, struggle in one form or another or build or rebuild or lose and build again. Um, New York, again, is a whole different dynamic because, yes, there is money, but New York is just a different flavor altogether in terms of uh, how those women relate and what they do. And also in order to live a certain lifestyle in New York, even if that lifestyle would be considered middle-class other places, it takes a hell of a lot of money to do that in a place like New York. So um, women who are able to do certain things on a consistent basis that they need to do to film are connect even if they don't have money or a lot of money they're sort of money adjacent and you know and and know how to make it look good and and who to hang with and where to go and whatever because it's just a, a whole different thing in New York and then of course New Jersey um you know you have people who are working people but again have businesses that within their community like Franklin Lakes and what have you can live a lifestyle that to everybody else appears to be um, opulent, uh, you know, and, and very rich when part of it is they're not living in New York or LA in terms of how much it costs to live there. And they were working in businesses that uh, afford them like construction and stuff like that, that afford them the ability to look like that because they're building it themselves. So um, all of that to say that the real Housewives of Salt Lake City has the potential of uh, the opulence of the initial Beverly Hills or the nouveau riche and fun of uh, a Melbourne, uh, the Real Housewives of Melbourne, where again, goo gobs of money. Um, because even the people on here who are like, 
the Mormons with a lot of money, with generations of money, it's still not what we think of in terms of generations of money when you think of like blue blood, blue bloods, like, you know, people from the Northeast. That's a different kind of generational money. These individuals, yes, they have a lot of money as generationals, but they're still in Utah and they still do new money things like all the surgery and this and the houses and even the way that they dress. So there is this attitude, but the big boobs and the tight dresses don't match the attitude because you take your same generational wealth and you go on the Northeast and they'd be looking at you like, we're not sending you an invitation to sit on the museum board any more than we would be sending one to Melania Trump. You have money, but okay. So very interesting. And um, so we're going to keep watching it and see where it takes us, see if we fall off with it or see if we like it. But so far, I am definitely interested. First episode was definitely, um, there were points where it was over the top. Uh, even the little sort of fake fight between Mary and Jen, I can't even barely figure it out, so I won't even bother. Um, but again, I get it because they... Um, they know that the stakes are a little higher in terms of their ability to take their time to grow an audience like some of the other housewives shows were allowed to do. Because as we've seen with some of the moves that Bravo has made in terms of getting rid of the OGs, they are certain they're they're make clearly making some cuts and watching what they're spending and so in launching these shows it it seemed it would seem to me that if that's the way they're treating their older shows then with newer ones they are probably not going to be given the same grace as say a real housewives of miami that they allowed to go on two or three seasons now yes real housewives of dc only lasted one season but that was beyond abysmal like those women didn't even try um or they tried but it just didn't work and and they clearly didn't know each other from adam so these women i don't i think some of them probably still you know some of them still probably don't know each other that well, but they at least know of each other enough to be able to decide who they like, who they don't, and are acting accordingly. And so that, that makes them interesting to watch. I just hope that if nothing else, Bravo puts the investment in them of, even if it's something as simple as a better time slot, because... Um, based on what they brought in the first episode, even if it was just looking at the clothes and the shopping and the houses, um, I, I think that they brought it enough to deserve to get um, to get a better to get a, a larger audience to at least check them out before they decide to just check out and go. Okay, we're already uh, at warp max speed in terms of hitting the wall or jumping the shark with these housewives shows most of which have already hit the wall and jumped the shark so we may not be willing to invest in a new one and um 
I think that would be unfortunate given what these women brought to the table in this first episode. So that is my take on it. And we're going to stick with it to see where it goes because it looks like it could be a, a fun ride. And I hope that um they at least get an audience that will carry them through their first season. And if they bring it the right way, um, see how it goes in their second one. I'm just concerned that because of their lead in, their numbers are going to be crap. So we'll see. They did, I will say that they were promoted fairly well. Um, if nothing else, the Mary, Cos Mary Crosby story may have been enough to at least get some folks to tune in. But even with that, they also may have waited a little too long in the episode to show her, considering that once you show Jen and Heather, the other women were just not quite as interesting. The Whitney story was a cool story, but we didn't see it happen. I mean, they just told us, yeah, we were excommunicated or whatever. Um, because we didn't actually see them having their illicit affair and see any drama between any family members, even at the wedding, any type of confrontation or anything like that. Um, you know, and maybe we'll get lucky and she'll be in family counseling or something as it goes on. But we'll see. So that is my take on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And um, I'm enjoying the idea of starting out a new show with you all. And we'll see how it goes. And um, still having fun. This is still nonstop November. Day 12, I'm going to get the day 11 episode up. It um, required a little bit of editing, but that I'm going to get up as soon as I finish recording this. So as always, check me out on all social media platforms at Let's Be Honest JJ. That's L-E-T-S-H-O-N-E-S-T-J-J -E -S -S -J for Just Jonda. That is my address on Instagram and Twitter. You can use that to tweet me or DM me to tell me what you're talking about. Tell me what you think of the show. If you have Apple iTunes, please listen there so that you can leave me five stars and any comments. And as if you, and as always, 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 if you are thinking about it and want to talk about it, chances are I am thinking about it and want to talk about it with you. Hey, look, I did Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So as I told you in my initial episode, I like kind of everything. So let's be honest together. Good night.